0: Interrupting this jazzy podcast music to tell you about Future 2020. Join me and hundreds of other communicators for two days of comms and camaraderie, April 29th through 30th in New York City. Hear from industry leaders and network with peers from around the world. And if you want to bring your whole team, check out the group rate. You will not find a better bargain at communication events. Learn more and sign up at futurecoms.socialchorus.com. Now back to the Music. Culture, comms, and cocktails is internal comms served straight up. So settle in, drink in the knowledge, some shaken, some stirred, and maybe even some with a twist, and enjoy the top shelf guests I have lined up for you. I'm your host, Chuck Go, strategic advisor at Social Chorus. And on this episode of Culture, comms, and cocktails, we have Mike Gleckler, corporate communications and PR manager at McKee Foods. Mike, welcome to Culture, comms, and cocktails. Thanks, Chuck.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Grab a seat here at the culture, common cocktails lounge and let's get started now for listeners, Mike, who may not know who McKee foods is, but I'm sure at some point in their life, they've tasted one of the company's products. Talk a little bit about who the company is.
1: I would certainly hope they have tasted one of our products. We're number one in the country in sales volume, but McKee foods is a family owned bakery. Uh, We're headquartered here in college Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga. Uh, last year, we celebrated 85 years as a company, uh, but what people are probably more familiar with is that this year we'll celebrate the 60th anniversary of our most well known brand, and that is Little Debbie Snack Cakes. And uh, we have additional bakeries in Gentry, Arkansas, and Seward Strath, Virginia. And we have a distribution center in Kingman, Arizona. And we deliver nearly $1.5 billion worth of Smiles to America under the Little Debbie Sunbelt Granola Drake's. Fieldstone and Prairie City Bakery brand names. Uh, we're currently led by the third generation of the McKee family and the fourth generation is just really starting to to, uh, to develop their careers here uh, while they're learning every aspect of the business. So we're that quiet little company with a really well-known brand that most people seem to know. And I got to be on site with the team and I did stop at the company
0: store on the way out and it was pretty cool to see. Uh, all all of those brands, and I had only seen Drake's before in a, in Seinfeld episodes, so that was pretty neat to uh, to see that. But even with you know six thousand ish employees, as you said, McKee Foods is still a family owned company. So I'm curious, as a communicator, is it any different being a communications professional for a family owned company than say your counterparts who might work in a in a regulated environment or a publicly traded company? Does it does it look or feel any different?
1: Yeah, it, you know, it does in a lot of ways. Um, the family becomes significantly more involved in, in the different aspects of the company because that's their name on the building. It's, it's not, you know, generations that are that are gone past necessarily. But sometimes, you know, and I have worked with publicly traded organizations, uh, one one very large one in particular, but, you know, especially these days, more so than, say, 20 or 30 years ago, it can feel sometimes with bigger companies that, you know, you're just keeping a spot warm in the org chart until the next person comes around to replace you and you've moved on. But um, you know, leadership changes can bring uh, sometimes some pretty wild swings in style and drastic changes in day-to-day work focus on what the prime communication rallying point is anymore. Um, with family ownership, we feel like we get some, some nice stability, especially if the family is close-knit and works well together like the McKee family does. And with this, you get a true direction, true direction, or sort of a polar north, if you will, that you know doesn't really change. It's, even though you have external forces that sometimes swing you one way or the other or create turbulence, you kind of always know because you know the family personally. You know this is the direction we need to be headed.
0: And how do you think that that having the the family be involved, that like you said many generations over the years, and providing that stability and guiding hand how has that influenced the culture because you've been there now about i think it's around 10 ish years it'll Um, be 13 in april how many 13 in april 13 in april that's 10 we'll 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 go from there um how has the culture changed or is it still very much the same that it was when you joined uh almost 13 years ago
1: It's exactly the same. And I'd argue it's exactly the same as it was when the company started in 1934. The family is the culture. That's bottom line. And with the third generation leading this company now every day, I see the influence from the second generation leadership. Those two gentlemen have retired, but they're still around. They're still here often. And I interact with them a few times a year. So I, you know, with that, I also see the influence from the first generation of leadership uh, and those folks I never had the pleasure of meeting. Um, but I see it at work every day. In 1934, McKee Foods was founded. O.D. and Ruth McKee uh, embarked on this um, this project as as true partners. And each played to their strengths. O.D. played uh, the great role of, of the salesman. And Ruth was the steadfast operational manager. And her role was a particularly tough one to hoe as a businesswoman in 1934. But Ruth proved to be tougher than that. And she had to be because that first generation... Um, of company leadership was driven by uh, almost pure survival in a hostile economic environment of the Great Depression. It was survival of the company and survival of their young family. And you think about at times they lived in an apartment overlooking the bakery floor, because that's what made sense given their situation at the time. Here they had this uh, plant that they were paying for. Why pay for housing when you could just set up a makeshift apartment upstairs? So that drive for survival, conservative, fiscal practices, curiosity and invention, those traits were observed and absorbed by their children who worked in the business beginning in their youth. Uh, So when their sons, Jack and Ellsworth took the reins and they capitalized on those family values, uh, those focused them to drive that next phase, which was innovation and growth, that saw Little Debbie skyrocket to nationwide distribution and status as the number one snack cake by sales volume. You know, today the third generation we see Mike McKee, Debbie McKee, Fowler, Chris McKee, Rusty McKee. They're all informed by that same legacy, and collectively, those of us who work for them were informed by that same legacy. So we all function the same way today as they did in 1934, with an eye on being very conservative financially, and uh, and with an eye on innovation. And so they, you know, this generation of McKees, I saw how their parents and grandparents valued people, and they, they continue to nurture that very same culture to this day. Now, one could argue uh, that, you know, that long of a history could be an anchor, uh, but, but it, it really, um, it, it is in a sense, but in a good, in a good sense, an anchor that keeps you uh, kind of um, where you need to be. Uh, during any kind of storms on the environment uh, in your environment, um, but you know the the way the McKees operated, it's it's all those good things that we see every day that carry on and and uh, inform how we all work in our daily
0: jobs. Well, and you took a word right out of my mouth as you started the story, which was legacy. Which is there are a lot of family-run companies that even though a new generation takes over, there's all kinds of changes with that generation. But it is that guiding hand and that legacy. Of the past generation, you can clearly tell that the current generation honors and respects, and only wants to build on. And it sounds like even someone like yourself and the other people at the company uh, who aren't don't carry that family name, still feel that that legacy and, and
1: ownership and responsibility to the company. Oh, absolutely! I, I say it over and over that we have six thousand five hundred family owners. That's all of us.
0: No one of the reasons we're talking today is, is last year in 2019, the team there at McKee foods launched mix. So I'm curious, I mean, I've got, I, I kind of know the story, but I want to hear you share that I was like, where does that name come from? And what were the initial goals and objectives of launching this new internal comms platform for those 6,000 plus McKee foods employees?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a funny story because I, I tend to be one of those people my brain automatically says it's got to be clever and the more clever the better and so Mix was one of the first names our team suggested but in my head that was too easy. It was cheating. You know, um, Mix makes too much sense but the more clever I try to get with it and the more clever I encouraged the team to get with it the more keep it simple stupid was banging me in the head and it came down to the fact that uh, really at the core We as a company, and we as individual workers are more than a world-class manufacturer of snack cakes. And at our core, we're a family bakery. Uh, Our corporate logo even says so, McKee, a family bakery. So whether you drive a forklift or a semi, or if you studied accounting, engineering, or communication, whatever, what we are at the end of the day is we're bakers. Our job is to bake a product and put smiles on the faces of consumers across the country, and that's it. I contribute to that. And I think of that story of, of the janitor at the uh, Johnson Space Center. And when the president walked through and asked, uh, you know, what his job was, he said, I'm putting a man on the moon. I, I, think, I think like that. I think that's the way uh, we are here. We're all bakers. And in the end, the core of baking is having the right mix. And the change of that mix changes what the end product is. So, and it's, you know, again, it also speaks to being a very real way for employees to be more engaged in the communication process in ways that they absolutely never were. So in that regard, we're mixing up how we do our communication as a company and we're letting people into the mix as far as communication is concerned. So it works on a lot of levels and we we're real happy with it and it you know, it made sense and it made sense to everybody around us, so, so it worked.
0: And so what have been, what were some of those initial goals of, of why why invest in this new platform? Why roll out mix to your to your employees?
1: Yeah, you know our leaders, fortunately, uh, saw the potential from the very start, which was which was great. And you you know you know how hard it is to get anything done if you can't get help from the top down. But you know the icing on the cake is good old fashioned data. And our company's engagement survey uh, pegged at the broader concept of communication, and I'm talking not communications products, but uh, person to person, shift to shift, line to line, uh, location to manufacturing location. That that broader concept of communication was an area of concern. And then my department's employee communication survey data showed that there was a desire to modernize our communications, so that made sense to us. And then our meetings that we held with the value stream departments showed that there was a need for some more technology and agility. And and you know it just seemed like moving to mix fit the bill. So. We launched on, uh, I remember it very clearly, it was our spring report meetings day, and we did the big rollout to a captive audience. Uh, we launched on Tuesday, April 9th, 2019, and just 14 days after our launch, uh, in fact, I was at future comms with, uh, with all of you, we had 25% registration of our 6,500 employees, give or take on the employee number. Um, and about three quarters of that population is hourly with the majority of those folks desk lists. So, I mean, we were tickled pink and, and today, now just 10 months from launch, get ready to celebrate our anniversary. Our registration is at 68%. And, uh, I, I couldn't be happier with that.
0: Well, you, you should be thrilled and that's kudos to you and the team for reaching that audience that was clearly, uh, hungry pun intended for, for, for the mix. Um, and it's been great to see that. And when I visited the team there in in Collegedale, which is my first time in Collegedale, Tennessee, uh, I was so impressed by the training facility that the company had on site. And that immediately sent to me the message of how McKee Foods doesn't just care about employees, but invests in resources for employees. What was also impressive about that day was you assembled a, a large group of people. For that on-site strategy session, which was which was great. But many of those people were from the IT community there at McKee Foods. And that's been a struggle sometimes for communicators is, is engaging with and getting the IT community involved. So how did you get them involved and interested, or was it as simple as the free lunch?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it was that simple, but you know we looked at this platform and we said if we're going to try and get this thing moving forward it can't just be another communications only thing Um, we need to have buy-in not just from leadership we have to have buy-in from other departments and they need to understand that this is something that they can work with us on and um, you know and kind of find ways to use on their own beyond what i'm thinking of doing all i'm thinking is i need a better way to communicate with employees and get some measurement out of it but how can different departments talk to their, their groups um, you know, with this platform? So we said to ourselves, there's, there's, you know, this is bigger than us. So um, marketing and sales, you saw a lot of those folks there, we, we pulled them in. We've got uh, 400 plus field sales folks spread out all across the country. You can imagine the difficulty in trying to communicate to all of them. Because um, they're constantly on the go. And uh, and then IT, of course, we can't do anything in here related to technology without IT's blessing and help. Plus, there were ways that we saw that they could use this to improve their communication among their own team, as well as their communication to their customer base, which was the rest of us. So it made sense to all of these groups to um, to come together and work on this together. Now, I'm, I may be footing the bill from my budget, um, but what I'm doing is providing a communication value To everyone else and they get to you know they get to ride on on board with that and and um, do better as as their own organization is concerned, because you know rising tide all boats right so Mm -hmm. if everybody does better, we all do better.
0: And great to hear that you wanting to empower those people so so often sometimes I should say often sometimes there are communicators who fear empowering others to just communicate themselves, even if they're already doing it, we we as communicators sometimes we feel like we should own all of that. So that's great to hear that um you guys are empowering those other teams. And beyond that that empowerment, what has been the general response to mix from leaders, from those frontline workers? I mean it's April, so it's about 10 months ago was that was that launch. Um has has it changed anything there in McKee Foods? Like what What's been the response?
1: Well, I think we'll get a better idea. We're getting ready to do our engagement survey again. And, and I want to see, I want to see if that move, that needle moves on communication, uh, from last year and the year before, but, um, you know, I think what we're hearing from people is, you know, once, once they get a good grip of how it works and all that, and what it can do for them, that, you know, it is a great way uh, to communicate. It's, it is a great way to stay on top of things. It's a great way to carry company information with you uh, that we, we typically they, they typically didn't do before. People weren't taking the newsletter out of the building with them uh, before we got rid of it. Um, and I think that they're realizing now that this is something that they can use to provide some feedback uh, back up the chain. So uh, as we're as We have slowly opened up commenting and things like that because we're going from nobody gets to say anything about anything to opening up the floodgates. You know, we didn't want to do that, so we, we've been slowly adding commenting capabilities and things like that. And, and people are realizing, wow, I can I can be on the plant floor and talk up the chain to directly to leadership. And I think that's like you use the word empowering, I think that's what I think that's what that's giving them is some sense of of ownership and participation.
0: Now the app is is a big part of that and that's some of that um, mobility that you talked about of people being able to take the take the content with them and consume it when and where they want and that's one of the endpoints of of Mix but I'm also curious what role does email play in their overall communication strategy with with Mix how are you using email as part of it
1: Yeah it it's interesting because um and and this could be a a great um caveat for anybody else who's looking to launch or getting ready to launch their program. Uh, We were so focused on the coolness of having the app that uh, we completely missed the mark on on pushing the capability of desktop access to to the platform. So we were yelling, get the app, get the app, get the app. And then a couple of people were saying, I don't want an app. I don't want another app. I'll never use an app, you know, I just want, I, I just want my information at my desktop like I used to get. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, you can do that too. So don't forget with the newness of the app that the desktop is a big part of that and uh, and a big part of the desktop is getting those uh, email pushes because that's how our folks were used to receiving information before, whereas I, I would put some sort of electronic newsletter together and uh, send an email that says, hey, it's available, click here and um, so now we're, we're kind of back to that. But, you know, when people are at their desk and they're busy and, and doing what they're doing, it's easy to miss things if we don't uh, if we don't push email. So our use of email is growing and growing. Um, you know, for us, one of the core tenants of McKee Foods uh, these days is, is uh, listen to the system. Yeah, so to oversimplify that, don't hand somebody an apple when they're clearly asking for an orange. So we have spent this first year learning how employees want Mix to work for them, and that's what we want. This is a great tool for us as communicators. Does us no good if the users aren't happy and aren't using it. So they've told us email is relevant to them when it comes to communication, so we're using it more and more.
0: But don't give someone a Swiss cake roll when they want a zebra cake. No, don't. That's right. two different things. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it's very much a and it it's kind of cliché at times to hear, but it is very true about meet people where they are uh-huh. that they if some people want to be on mobile and that's awesome. Some people want to still be on desktop and get email and that's great too. It's about keeping them informed. So yeah, people do get excited about the mobile app because that's something new to the organization, but there are those people that get just as much benefit by the the old tried and true you know reading it on their desktop getting that email summary of stories that are in there so it's great to hear it's not surprising that the app was was kind of the focus because that's the fun thing but it's great to hear that the employees spoke up and you guys have delivered on that yep now one of the more clever channels inside Mm -hmm. mix is called snack chat it's a very nice play on words there um, what's some of the content that's been shared by employees in that channel that's turned into something bigger than just their share? Like, what has it helped uncover new stories? Has it turned into anything else as a result?
1: Um, you know, I'll, I'll say that our original goal for snack Chat was a little different than than the space it's become today. Um, we originally saw Snapchat as an opportunity for employees to kind of run wild and free. It was going to be the sandbox where they could just, just play. It was their channel. They owned it. Uh, and then our heads as communicators, um, working on marketing this whole new thing, this whole mixed platform to everybody, you know, we wanted snack chat to kind of be the neon hot donuts now sign that brought you into the door, um, so to a degree, it's still that because it's kind of the fun side and the playful side of mix. Um, but it's got a little more direction from comms than originally um, was, was planned. And so what we do is, is we'll put out suggestions to employees. What do we want to see from them? And, and we let them flood us with content. So we'll just ask simple questions. What makes you happy today? Um, or at Thanksgiving time, what are you thankful for? Um, but, you know, give us a photo of it. Uh, so we get a lot of family photos and stuff like that. So what makes you smile? You know, but we'll get the occasional cat and dog picture. It's great. Whatever people are proud of their their kids or grandkids their pets, and we're giving them that platform that we didn't used to have before. Um, you know, to 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 post their personal photos. So at the same time, we'll we'll say, hey, uh, send in some company picnic photos from you know the the big day down at the amusement park. And, you know, we'll just get hundreds of them. And, and, you know, you can take your time and look through them and find your friends and whatever. Uh, So the way it's set up now is we ask for something and and they submit and they never seem to let us down. And there are some more than others who are are just uh, absolute avid contributors. And so it's fun to get everybody more involved and to make it a more participative environment than it's ever been. And when you
0: look at mix in 2020 as you said here in a a few months you're coming up on the on the one-year anniversary of the launch what are some of the goals you have whether that's very personal goals from you mike of what you want to see mix become or do you guys have some objectives from as a team standpoint of what mix in 2020 is going to going to look
1: like and we're finding all kinds of things that we can do with it that i don't think we ever envisioned before and we're using it as a platform to run some surveys, and we're uh, we're actually establishing an outside of our firewall uh, website uh, that's going to be more of a repository for um, documents and photos and things like that. So we can try not to bog the system down too much with the fun and playful stuff. Um, you know, we we had some folks who said, you know. The cat and dog photo is pushing this important news below the fold, you know, so we get that. So that's what it is. It's build on the foundation, improve on the services mix provides. Like I mentioned before, listen to the system. This is this is not my app. This is every employee's app. And if it's not working for you, it's not working for anybody. So it's a matter of fine tune. And I've told the team, I said, we're never going to settle into a groove with this thing. And there should be no desire to listen to the system, plan, try things, reflect and repeat. And then my personal goal is I'll always chase hundred percent registration and that's just, I'll never get there, uh, but I'll chase it. I'll chase it until the day I'm gone. You said it again, that listen to the system. That's that's such
0: a great, such a great uh, lesson. And though I agree with you, getting that hundred percent is a tough one. The fact that you've, especially with a large manufacturing uh-huh. workforce, as you mentioned, you've got truck drivers and, and other people whose jobs just aren't at, at a desk. To get that type of registration number is great. And I'm sure that as you continue to develop the content and get more people in there, um, that that number will will only go up. And now, the developed- next one I've got for you is a is a is a two-parter. And it goes yep. back, you had referenced that uh, you were at uh, Future Comms last year. And I expect you to be there again at Future Comms 2020, Mike, but what would you say to someone who's perhaps a little uncertain of attending 2020 or or is it worth the investment in time to to go to Future Comms April 29th through 30th in New York City?
1: Pull the trigger. That's all I can say. Pull the trigger, book the trip. Um, In fact, you may not see me this year because it's such a valuable experience. I may send somebody from my staff, so they can get the experience. Um, You know, it isn't just networking, it's a knowledge base in and of itself. And and Tom Hunter and I were the ones who who went last year. We got so many ideas from those two days and uh, it was just an an amazing use of time. And the caliber of presenters was absolutely second to none. Um, I mean, honestly, I can see future comms becoming the annual IT gathering for communicators. I said that to Tom last year and I believe it. Uh, I'm looking at it. I, I don't know. Maybe I just need to budget for more people to go. But uh, I, I hate to give up my seat, but I know that there's a great opportunity for growth for somebody in my staff. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll make my way out there.
0: Well, there's there's a great group rate, uh, Mike. So there's really no reason not not to be sure. a part of it. And you get maybe you guys can get on that corporate jet you were telling me about to
1: get out. Oh, if I can where that thing, went. <laughs> My life would be different.
0: Now, on a more on a more personal note, uh, at Futurecoms last year, you told me about this group of employees, and i have completely spaced on the the name of them. They get to the taste test uh, some of the goods there from Key Foods. Remind me what what they're called? Yeah, they're the taste buds. Taste buds. That's it. That's such a good name, and I can't believe I forgot what that was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, such a good Employ- name.
1: They get to uh, enter into an annual lottery to have a seat on this group for the year. Um, you're you're on a select group who get to try new snack cake concepts and do like A/B type testing on recipes. Like, do you prefer this one or this one? Um, it's a lot of fun, and it's a good reminder that just because it sounds like a good idea in an R&D meeting doesn't mean it's going to play with consumers. Um, you know, it's real people here at work who who are gonna let R&D know whether or not you've made something that they would be proud to offer to the world. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. I did it one year and um, I tell you, I couldn't keep up with the time commitment on it. I
0: mean, taste buds, that's just, it's too, buds. it's too good. Well, we talked about the culture at McKee Foods, you've shared a lot of the comms activities with, with Mix and, and great stories, great anecdotes around that. And I'm sure others will, will love to hear the podcast is called culture comes and cocktails. So I'm curious, Mike, what is your favorite cocktail, but more in particular, are there any McKee foods in your products that pair nicely? So if someone <laughs> wants to have a cocktail, but pair it with maybe a little Debbie
1: snack or something, what's, what's your uh, recommendation? <laughs> well, I, here's where I get boring. Cause I'm, uh, I'm a two fingers in up creek with a splash of water and a good conversation that's what warms my soul, Um, so not much of a cocktail there, though, I had a very delightful um, delightful cocktail called a gins cup on a Holland America cruise a couple years ago. Um, It was cucumber based elderflower quite nice as for pairings that's that's got to be an original question. I am told, I mean, I haven't done this myself, but I'm told you can't go wrong with a Swiss cake roll with a grasshopper chaser. But mm. uh, chocolate, chocolate, mint and cream can make all kinds of magic happen. Uh, so I, I imagine it's a little bit like a, like a thin mint. <laughs> a boozy I'll, thin I'll, mint. I'll, I'll tell you what, Mike, I'll make you a deal.
0: If you come to yeah. future comms, we will go find a good grasshopper martini. I'll supply the the Swiss cake rolls and we'll we'll give it a go. <laughs> all right you got it give it a, a go a day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely mike thanks again for being on the podcast it is great to work with you and tom and the rest of the team i love hearing that you want to bring others to uh future comms in 2020 um i ask that you not give up your seat and just show up again it's a great group rate out there for everybody and uh hope i get to see you in new york but thanks again for being on the
1: podcast of course thanks so much for having me
0: if you enjoyed what you heard from this episode and want to check out others, find Culture Coms and Cocktails on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And when you do, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. This has been Culture Coms and Cocktails, internal comms served straight up. Thanks for listening.